that there are three things that are hidden just beneath the story of Joseph, this messy family story. One is the hidden depths of sin. Two, the hidden purposes of God. And three, the hidden depths of grace. Now, our story today, did you, did you catch how old Joseph was? Anybody catch that? Anybody really listening to 17 years old. He is 17. Do you remember what it was like to be 17? I knew everything when I was 17, didn't you? Like, I knew more than my parents. I thought everybody was like, didn't, you know, I just, I couldn't, I felt sorry for people, right? Um, what's that? And, Su and Superman, I thought I was invincible. That's exactly right. My goodness. Um, we're going to get to other stories. That's what's so great about Joseph. One of the things is that there's a story for every phase of his life. Teenager, young adult, adult, older aged, and toward the very end of his life. Joseph is 17, so that's kind of one thing. Joseph is adored by his father. Now, I know you don't pick favorites. I hope you don't. Um, but J Jacob had a favorite, and it was Joseph. Um, Jacob set apart his son with a really fancy and costly coat. We're not, you know, the Hebrew is not real clear um, because of the Broadway hit, right? The amazing Technicolor green co dream coat, right? Um, it was colorful, a coat of many colors. Or as Jeff read, it was well adorned, right? My dad played Jacob in the Brookhaven Little Theater, and he told me there were 28 colors he had to memorize. And it was red and yellow and green and pink and on and on. Um, so it was this beautiful, beautiful coat that this 17-year-old had. He was his favorite. And who doesn't want fancy clothes at the age of 17? Do you remember how clothes-conscious you were when you were a teenager? Who doesn't want to know also for sure that their parents love them and they think they're the best in the world. But there's something right in beneath the surface, and it's sin. And sin is usually not overly apparent. It's not overly apparent here, but it's there. I looked at a picture of Mount St. Helens in 1980. Have you ever seen a picture before it erupted? Beautiful, big, stately mountain. And then I looked at a picture in 1982 when a third of, of it was just blown to, to, to smithereens. Who would have ever known of the lava and the things happening right underneath the surface that would, that, would finally, that would finally blow? The lava was flowing. The pressure was mounting. And kind of the same thing that's going on in this family. Sin is that power. It's that movement that runs counter to God's dream. Sin is, don't think about like list of do's and don'ts or Santa, who's, you know, take, making a list and checking it twice. Think about those, those things that just run counter to our ability to love one another and to love God with all our heart. And it's there. And it can explode. See, the problem with that awesome jacket is that his brothers didn't get one. His brothers didn't get one. And they hated Joseph so much for this you may have noticed that there are three times it says they, they hated him. They hated him for the favoritism. They couldn't stand to even, they couldn't even fake liking him. Now, has anybody ever grown up where you kind of you had a hard time getting along with your siblings? Raise your, raise your hand. Yeah, I remember, I can talk about Liz because my sister, because she's not here. But um, 
One time when I was 13 years old, Dad, you know, he was going off on a National Guard trip, and I had to give my sisters some money, some checks they had for other things that they were to do those two weeks. They walked in the house, and, and Dad's really a fault. He said, Bruce, play a joke on them and just say that you don't have any money for them and see what happens. Well, they were a little uptight and not in the mood to play around. And the next thing you know, I've got Liz's ponytail, and we're having a WWF wrestling match right on the thing. And my sister Caddy, who's usually as gentle as she can possibly be, was kicking me in the neck. It was really violent. It was really, really terrible. It was, it was awful, you know? You know, isn't it interesting that the people that kind of make us the angriest sometimes are who? People that we're closest to. Sometimes our greatest heartbreak and our greatest hurts and our greatest wounds are trying to get through the people that we trusted the most. So that was strike one on Joseph, is that he was a favorite. Joseph was also a tattletale. He told on his brothers. Early on, Jeff read that. He not only told on them, but the Hebrew word for that is that he was stretching the truth and he was exaggerating about his brother. That's strike two. Finally, Joseph was a dreamer. And those dreams are a gift from God. But Joseph, why in the world are you sharing with your brothers and sisters, or your brothers and one sister, that they're going to bow down to you? But he did. He was, a little bit, he was a little bit stubborn. So that's strike three. That's strike three. So often, so often, sin hides behind the good things in life. Behind the gifts, the innocent things. I hope she's feeling better. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope she's feeling better. Um, so often, it's, it's not just the horrible things, but it's the good things. It's the good things that are misused. The story reaches a boiling point out in the fields. Jacob sends Joseph to go find his brothers out in Shechem. Jacob uh, goes out to Shechem. The brothers aren't there. And so there's a stranger that happens to be there. Says, no, they're way out in Dothan. Go out there. And that's when it goes really it goes south. The brothers decide they're going to kill him. They decide they're going to kill him. And so he's walking away. And one of the brothers, Reuben says, no, let's don't kill him. Let's throw him in the pit. Um, and then they throw him in the pit. They toss him in the pit. They strip him. They take off all his clothes, throw him in there. And then they eat. They eat lunch. That's kind of a weird thing to be doing. But they're eating a hoagie or a subway or something. And then here comes, here comes some rich traders that are going. And uh, why don't we sell him to slavery and make, make 30 shekels off of him? And so they make money off of him. That's, that's about as bad as it gets when it comes to family. It's about as bad of a betrayal as they are. The brothers dipped his coat in blood, take it to the father and give it to him, and trick Jacob into thinking that he lost his son. And the father is inconsolable. Now Joseph is no saint He's made a lot of mistakes, but did he deserve death or to be enslaved? No. Maybe he needed some mentoring. Maybe he needed to be set straight like we all do, did when we were 17. But we're left at the end of the story with a weeping father, sons who are mired in guilt. And Joseph, who's chained, going to Egypt. There's a hiddenness of sin. It's right beneath us. 
current. But there's also a hidden purpose in God, of God. God is never mentioned in this story. Never. And it's hard to find a chapter in the whole book of Genesis where God is not explicitly mentioned, but God is nowhere to be found. But God is there. God is just hidden. The way it usually works out, works itself out in your life, in my life, God is not usually obvious in our pain and in our heartache or in our suffering, but God is there. God is in that stranger that helps Joseph to go further. God is in the dreams of Joseph, right? God is in the pit with Joseph. God is there. God's purpose is hidden all over the place. God, I've been told, is hidden is always hidden in plain sight wherever we go. Wherever we go. What they don't know, but we do, is that God uses Joseph's betrayal to save his family from famine. We don't know that yet. But spoiler alert, Joseph goes and becomes the rescue mission of Egypt to his own, very own family. You know, heartache... Brokenness, sin, it's not the end because there's a hiddenness of God's grace. God always digs up what we bury. Always. Today's story ends, but it's not the end of God's story. God doesn't cause the evil that happens. Hear me out. God doesn't cause the evil that happens. But God uses what was meant for evil and makes it good. God shows up right beneath the surface of our heartache and says, let me lead you into the next season. We got another chapter to write. And that is hopeful. That's the good news. It's not the end of the story. Now, I know what, I know what, uh, what I was thinking when I was reading this. Why isn't God more like Della Reese in Saved by, Name, Saved by Angels? Did y'all ever watch that growing up? I mean, why couldn't Della Reese had showed up and said, y'all, get him out of the pit and make up. This is in it. And then they all just hug each other and that's the end of the story, right? You know as well as I do, though, that the lessons we learn in life are long. It's not about being bailed out instantly or getting the right answers. Sometimes in our waywardness, we need to be shown, not just told. And sometimes when we need to remember that we're loved, we need to see it, not just to tell it. Della Reese could have all the answers in the world, but it wouldn't heal. And God shows them. God's purposes are hidden in our pain and our brokenness. Now, Dothan is an interesting place. Just a real quick aside, and I'm almost done. Dothan is an interesting place. A few centuries later, Elisha comes there, the, the Old Testament prophet, and he cries out for God in a foxhole there because there's warfare going on. He cries out and God instantly saves him when he says, save me. But God doesn't do the same thing with Joseph. God doesn't quickly save Joseph, even though Joseph says the same thing. Same Bible, same place, but different outcomes. Why? Joseph needed a different kind of salvation. He needed a different kind of presence from God. We don't all get saved the same way in this life. And most importantly, God cared just as much for Joseph as he did for Elisha, whom he saved instantly. Do you believe that? And that's the question today as we break bread. Do you really believe that? 
That God is just beneath the surface. That grace is right there. That God is saving you how God will save you. And it may not be easy to understand. But you can trust it. Think about how strong we would believe if we believe that. Who among us right now is not going through some protracted struggle? It almost feels like you're in the bottom of a pit and you feel helpless. What is the gift that God gives us? The gift of faith. To trust that though we can't understand how God is going to get us out, that God is faithful. Charles Wesley wrote this. We sang it at Easter. Christ the Lord is risen today. Made like Him, like Him we rise. Ours, the cross, the grave, the skies. We don't zip straight to the skies, right? Even we as Easter people deal with the cross and we deal with the grave and we deal with heartache and tears, just trusting that God will redeem it all. We get all three of them in the resurrected life. It's not just smooth and easy. But you know, if God's in the pit with me, the lower you drop me, the higher I go. The more someone tries to hurt me, the more joy I have. God turns all my deaths into resurrections. There's always a Sunday following Good Friday. And that's the good news. Again, hear me. God doesn't cause evil. But God overrules it. God reverses it, turns it inside out. Can you trust that in your life? That's the question today. When there seems to be a series of events where you can't see the end. Church, we're going to have challenges this year. And we're going to go, how are we going to get out of this? How are we going to get through this? And we're going to call out to God and God is going to put us on a journey and God is going to see us through the end. The crazy thing about the dream that God has put in your heart and the end outcome is that before the dream comes true, it usually looks ridiculous to other people. But it will come true. Until it's over, it looks ridiculous. I'm confident of this, says Paul, that the one who began a good work among you We'll bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 or Romans 8.28. We know what that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Do we believe this? The hiddenness of sin, the hiddenness of God's purpose, the hidden patterns of grace are all there right under our feet. The lava flowing right under our feet. And they're all wrapped up in a coat and a dream. In a coat that God has made you. Like Jacob made Joseph. This is an old poet, 1600s, George Herbert. I'm going to read part of his poem. It's called Joseph's Coat. And I'm going to read a couple parts of it. Wounded I sing, tormented I indict. Thrown down I fall into a bed and rest. Sorrow hath changed its note. Such is his will. Who changeth all things as him pleaseth best. For well he knows, if but one grief and smart among my many had its full career, sure it would, sure it would carry with it even my heart. Even one thing would carry my heart away with it. But he hath spoiled the race. He spoiled us and given to anguish one of joy's coats, he says, ticing it with relief. To linger in me and together languish. To live, to show his power who once 
did bring my joys to weep, my griefs to sing. Ours, the cross, the grave, and the skies. My suffering, though, may be great, but I've been given this coat, and you have too. It's muddy, it's got blood on it, but it's a coat of love and of grace. And that coat has turned my sorrow into song. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know it? Can you trust it? Even when people want to put down your dreams and take the color out of your dreams. Because there was another who was God's very own, sold for silver, uh, stripped, and he cried, why too on a cross? He was rejected by his family, yet he chose to love. Joseph went unwillingly to the pit. Jesus went willingly to the cross. Joseph would eventually save his family. Jesus would save the world. So I just invite you to know and to not know. To know that God is right beneath the surface. But don't feel like you know how it's all going to go down. Know that God will save you too. Know that his arms are under you even as you suffer in your time of distress. Don't get too caught up. Know it at all because you won't. You're not 17 anymore. There's mystery involved. But God is at work right between the surface. Know and not know. Our dog Luna, who's only four years old, went completely blind last week. We don't understand. Beautiful, great Pyrenees dog. She's blind as she can be right now. So we're leading her around. We went to... We went to the best veterinarians at Mississippi State. They said, we can't help you. Don't expect for Luna to get her sight back. And now Luna walks by faith and not by sight. And we're going to be learning from Luna. Other dog owners of dogs that have gone blind have told me already. They said, you know what? Luna's going to take it a lot better than you will. She will figure it out. Know and not know. Second, get your coat. Wear it. No matter how dirty or bloody or smudged, it's not ruined if God made it for you. Remember that God loves you. And God is loving you through this. Three, listen to your dreams. Listen to your dreams. No matter how small it seems to you, if it's God's dream, it's critical. Live it out. Keep the color in it. Always make sure that your dreams weigh a lot more than your memories Church, this is so important. If our memories weigh more than our dreams, we are dying. If you're living in the past and can't live in the future and be pulled by God's dream, you're dying. So what is this dream that God has put on your heart and thy heart and our hearts? Let's have fun with it. Let's don't let anybody kill the dream. Y'all know that the scripture verse right in front of the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee, where Martin Luther King Jr. was shot and killed. Do you know what verse it is? Come, let's kill the dreamer and let's see what becomes of his dreams. But see, you can kill the dreamer, but you can't kill the dream. And what God has put on your heart for love and justice and mercy, well, that can't be killed. Sin is often right beneath you, but grace, the stronger current of grace, is beneath you too. God's purposes and God's grace, they're going to carry you through, I promise. The story doesn't end until the God of peace gets his way with you and me in this world. Trust him. Trust him. Believe it. 
You'll wonder sometimes, like Joseph, like the woman who snuck in the back of the church, does God really see me? Does God really care? Is God really with me? Is God incompetent? No. God is leading you. Yes, God loves you. Often right beneath the surface. Often hard to see. Right under our feet is the answer. And all we have to do is walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Amen. I invite us now just to pause and take a deep breath. As we share in communion, I invite you to turn to... Uh-oh, I do that every time. I'm falling apart up here. I'm trying not to start a fire, that's for sure. Um, turn to page 12. Turn to page 12. Y'all, Christ our Lord invites to His table um, all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace,